What the science and negotiation tells us is that whatever gets anchored into the discussion will actually be the things we end up negotiating. You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Audible Ready Podcast. I'm Rachel Clapp Miller with Force Management and joined today by our own Tim Cato. Tim, welcome. Hello, Rachel and everybody. Excited to have you on the podcast today. Tim, I think this might be your inaugural appearance. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. (laughs) And today, what better topic to talk about than negotiation? Tim, I know that we have spent a lot of time educating our clients on the importance of treating negotiation as a process, not as an event. And the point that we try to do in educating them on that idea of it as a process is to minimize our vulnerability to late stage tactics by our buyers. So today we're going to talk about that very issue and talk through when those negotiation tactics work the best. That is a great introduction, Rachel. And the first place to start is to recognize that when we talk about when those buyer negotiation tactics work best, we're also simultaneously saying why they work best. So so let's set this topic up a little bit. When we talk about negotiation tactics, they're most commonly referred to as anchors. Now, formally, the definition of anchors are things that are said or done with the intent to change the frame of reference for the negotiation. So for example, when a customer says our price is too high, or their budgets just got cut. Those are common examples of anchors. The idea is they're trying to anchor the negotiation around a frame of reference that they're trying to create, and they're counting on us reacting to that. Now, what the science of negotiation tells us is that whatever gets anchored into the discussion will actually be the things we end up negotiating. You know, for a minute, uh, metaphor here, think about what happens to a boat when we drop the anchor. It basically stays in that place. And the same is true for anchors our customer use in negotiations, if we allow that to happen. Now, Rachel, I suspect most of the people listening to this know what anchors are, but might not have labeled them with that word. So with that in mind, you know, the definition of, of anchoring those tactics, let's talk about how they get executed first by our customers. Now, most customer anchors are leveraged unconsciously. You know, they're the things they've just always said, almost instinctively, like your price is much higher than your competitor's price. And that's how most of them get executed. However, we got to keep in mind, there are many professional buyers that leverage anchors in a very conscious and purposeful way with the intent of weakening the seller's position or at a minimum to get a reaction that throws the seller off balance. So Rachel, whether it's unconsciously mentioned or purposefully executed, to be less vulnerable to anchors, those customer tactics, knowing how to effectively manage them starts with knowing when they work best. And by the way, they get thrown at us at every stage of our sales process, early, middle, and late stages. 
Yes. So whether they're being unconsciously said or purposely said, that's some great background. So let's walk through some examples of when these anchors work best to weaken our position as salespeople. Like when are we most vulnerable to them? Yeah, I'm sure, Rachel. So I, I found that customer tactics or anchors work best for four reasons. And ironically, uh, Rachel, these are reasons that we can actually control. So the first reason I'll call lack of preparation. Now, when we talk to sellers, what they tell us is they frequently know most of the customer tactics in advance. They could be anticipated either because they're used all the time by that particular customer, because of that particular customer's current situation, or when we know that anchors are competitors, always feed our customers to weaken our value proposition are potentially in play. Now, for years, we referred to those as FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So lack of preparation is one of the first big reasons, Rachel. All right. So preparing. And to your point, Tim, being prepared for those anticipated anchors is something that we, we can control, at least for most of the anchors that we're going to run into. So what's the next reason? Well, the second rate reason is readiness to respond. You know, sellers are most often vulnerable to customer anchors or tactics because they lack information in the moment to counter the anchors and have not really thought through their response to managing them in advance, which includes who's going to actually provide that response. Now, simply anticipating the anchors in advance is not enough. We need to know what to do and say when they surface in the conversation. And by the way, Rachel, not just to survive the moment, but to actually use the customer's attempt to anchor us into a vulnerable position as our opportunity to expand the discussion to multiple items that create value for both sides. The readiness to respond is most critical when you think about the third reason for when customer tactics work best. Early stage anchors that are also known as premature single item negotiations. Okay, so premature single item negotiations. Dig a little deeper on that one for us. So a premature single item negotiation occurs when a customer brings up an anchor or an objection early on and establishes it almost like a gate. In other words, they suggest or, or maybe even actually tell us they won't engage in any further discussions with us unless we resolve the single issue first. It might have been a service issue they've experienced with us. It might be some, you know, legacy terms and conditions they want to change. But in other words, they're just saying, if we don't deal with this first, there is no negotiation. Now, these can occur, Rachel, at any time in the sales process, but they frequently occur early because they work extremely well. Now, this, again, once again, the science of negotiation tells us that early stage anchoring has a profound impact on what gets negotiated late. So if we get anchored on their budget cuts that they're having or other limiting considerations they're trying to throw at us early, we'll likely find ourselves in a very narrowly defined negotiation all the way through to the final agreement with very little room to negotiate. And that's uh, where that preparation comes in handy as well, I'm sure. Yep. And I've, yep. Heard you, I've heard you say many times that the best negotiators know that these premature single item negotiations are to be avoided. You're not going to get away from them if they anchor on them early. And they, these best in class negotiators do so by knowing how to get the conversation focused back onto those multiple items that you were talking about that also matter to both the customer and the seller. 
Yep. You know, and it, it's like that old school saying, don't allow yourself to get painted into a corner. That's kind of, this is the negotiation version of that. So that brings us to the fourth and final reason for when customer tactics work best, Rachel. And it's when we react emotionally to their anchors. So here's the thing for all of our listeners to understand. Anchors only work when we react to them. In other words, when we get sucked into blindly reacting to the customer's anchors, accepting them uh, as reality, that limits the situation and our ability to deal with it. When that happens, we get anchored. And honestly, we've taught the customers to expect that from us. Maybe not us individually, but the community of sellers over the decades. You know, the customers have learned that they can use our own emotions, especially fear, against us. You know, the fear of losing the deal or the fear of negatively impacting the relationship or the fear of losing market share. And, and I'm not even talking about a whole slew of personal negative impacts like fear of losing income, fear of losing internal credibility, fear of limiting career advancements. Now, now, one last time, the science and negotiation tells us that emotions have the biggest single impact on negotiated agreements. And as such, anchoring that throws us off balance, creates fear of loss, and causes our emotions to come into play are very proven and impactful tactics, especially for old school tactical negotiators. Yeah, they people use them because they work. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go figure. Go right, figure. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for diving into all of that, Tim. It's really, really helpful to break those down for us. And I know you mentioned earlier in this podcast that we we are in control. We actually control how well these customer tactics work based on knowing when they work and how to manage them. And as you're talking in my head, I'm thinking, you know, confidence really plays a, a role here. You should be confident in knowing that you can spot them and manage them. So let's wrap up the conversation by looking at how to best manage each one of these so we can be less vulnerable to them. Yeah, re really good. So in summary, if I was going to take, you know, an overarching umbrella comment, customer tactics work best when we're not prepared for them. So, so to not be a victim to customer tactics or anchors, he, here are five uh, tips on how to best manage yourself in those moments. So first, number one, anticipate customer anchors in advance. Now, we can't anticipate every single one. Some will surprise us. But when you think about it, you'd be actually surprised how many of these tactics or anchors we can anticipate and if we can, then we can deal with those three through our pre-call planning, communications with our internal team, with our champions, to best figure out which ones are coming at us. And then the second tip is to be prepared. You know, if you can anticipate some of those anchors, have key information at hand for those anchors when you run into them in the moment. But more importantly, determine in advance how you're gonna to respond to the anchors including who on your team is going to say what. Some things the sellers are best uh, in position to be able to manage those anchors. Sometimes it might be a solution engineer or other support uh, folks on the team. It could be a senior manager. It could actually be one of your own champions. So be prepared. Now, of course, you do those two things. Then what you have to do is, number three, uh, the third tip, recognize when it's happening. 
you know, to understand you're in a tactical moment right now. It keeps you from reacting and it especially helps you manage your emotions. You know, I hope after this podcast, someone says, oh, I think I'm in one of those moments that guy <laughs> talked about. Right? And usually we know when it's happening. Okay, so recognize it. The fourth best tip, and this is the big one, is to pivot the conversation. Pivot it away from a single issue to multiple issues, you know, avoiding that premature single item negotiation. Now, this is interesting, Rachel, because this right here, pivoting the conversation, is an example of how sellers can use anchoring. And yes, we can do it too, all right? Um, but I would suggest as long as we're using anchoring to drive the conversation towards uh, achieving more value for both sides, that's almost like pivoting the conversation or using anchoring for purposes of good as opposed to purposes of evil, like trying to get the, you know, make the customer more vulnerable. That's not the approach when you're trying to also manage an ongoing relationship. So, you know, but the idea here is pivot away from a single item to multiple items, gives us a lot more flexibility and keeps us from getting painted in that, in that negotiation corner. Now, the last tip, and this one actually comes into play if you stay mindful of the first four tips that I've just mentioned, and that is to stay calm and, you know, avoid emotional fear-based reactions that make us vulnerable and victims to the, the customer's tactics. So anticipate customer anchors in advance, be prepared, recognize when it's happening, pivot the conversation from a single item to multiple items, and stay calm. Oh, that's great. Thank you for wrapping those up for us again, Tim. That was on my list. If you didn't do it, I was going to do it for you. So I appreciate you getting ahead of me on that. Oh, I stepped on your lines, Rachel. Sorry. No, 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 I like it. I like it. So that leaves me to just say thank you, Tim. Thank you to all of you for listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. At Force Management, we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams. Our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth. Give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale. Our strength is our experience. The proof is in our results. Let's get started. Visit us at forcemanagement.com. You've been listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. To not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.